You guys doing all right? So good to see you, and uh, super excited for what we're getting into tonight. Wrapping up this series, we've been talking about searching for love, because everyone is searching for love, right? And so it's been a fun few weeks. Last week was amazing, and uh, man, we just wanted to kind of continue in what we've been talking about a little bit, but also give maybe a different perspective um, and so I've asked these phenomenal people to come up here, and you guys have been sending in questions for the last few weeks of things that you want answered, maybe something that's been uh, sparked by what we've talked about or whatever, and I was telling some people earlier, I've, I've done this like three years in a row, and this year we had more questions sent in than, other, than ever, so either um, I'm leaving you guys more confused than ever, or I'm not sure what that means, but... Anyway, so I've invited these people to help clarify some of the things that I've confused. So anyways, let me introduce you to these amazing friends of mine. First up, we got Ryan. Y'all say hey to Ryan. And um, I, well, I tried to get a variety of different people, different ages, different, been married for different amounts of time. Yeah, that kind I'm of just thing. the old dude. You're the old guy with an amazing beard, right? Incredible beard. Wow. You got applause. Um, Ryan, you've been married for how many years? Uh, about eight. Eight years, two kids, right? How two old? Two kids, five and three, two boys. Amazing, five and three. So eight years. Courtney is, is his wife. She actually was on the panel last year. So we did a trade. We got you instead of her. Yeah. We got the better half. <laughs> and, um, but don't tell her I said that. <laughs> we all know that's not true. That's why it's funny. Um, anyways, <laughs> so all four of them, by the way, are on staff here at church, serving in different roles. Um, and then this is Jeremy. I'll say to Jeremy. What's up? Jeremy's on staff at our Snellville campus. Best campus. Wow, representing Snellville. Jeremy, you have been, you're fresh, right? You've been fresh married. Fresh and married. Year and nine months, almost 10 months. Been married for a year and nine months. My I'm wife's married. name is also Courtney, so we share that bond oh, that's as awesome. men. <laughs> if you're still counting months, yeah, you got a long ways to go. Um, <laughs> awesome. No kids yet? No kids. No kids. We're not planning on it yet. We need to. Okay, well. Get stable financially, you know, I, all that stuff. Yeah, I said that too, and then it didn't <laughs> you got another one on the way. So, there you go. <laughs> um, and then we have Jenny Welch. You guys say hey to hey Jenny. Guys. Jenny is on staff here at the Central Campus. And, Jenny, how long have you been married? We have been married going on 24 years. Wow. <laughs> Jenny and Miles, and you guys have two girls, right? Yep, two daughters. Um, they're actually college age, so we have a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old. Awesome. So I love your perspective into this conversation because you get to talk not only from what you've learned from experience, but also the way you want your daughters to date. Absolutely, yeah. So, fellas, you should listen to what she says. <laughs> and then last but not least, we got Emily Jones. Say hey to Emily. Emily's on staff here at Central as well, married to Caleb, and you guys have been married for how long? Almost three years. Almost three years. Yeah. You guys are veterans as well. Okay. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and uh, no children. We not, have a dog. You have a dog. We have a dog. Amazing. What's, yeah. the, what's the name? Maya. Beautiful. She's great. Beautiful. She's great. Cool. So um, they're going to tackle some of these questions. I'm going to chime in every now and then, um, but mostly I'm just going to let them run with it, and then you guys can take notes and listen. You can, I guess, send me your angry emails, <laughs> if you don't like what they say, then I'll forward them to you guys. You guys can answer. So, Great. all right, let's start off here. First question. 
How, oh, big question. How can a Christian man find a Christian woman? Shout out to the fellows who are asking that question. How can a Christian man find a Christian woman? I guess that's for the guys to answer that question, I've, right? I have no idea. You have no, <laughs> I have no idea. No, it's a good guy question. Very smart. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously here. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah. Find her at here. C12. There you, go. there you go. Yeah, there you go. Ladies are like, oh, why did you say that? <laughs> They're like, there's no good guys here. Sorry. <laughs> That's not true. How can a Christian man find a Christian woman? Anybody want to step in? I mean, for me, it was church. So Okay. It was church. We both went to the same home church growing up, so that's how it worked. But so it's that easy, I guess. Find them in the right place? Find them in the right place at church. Okay. Yeah. That works. What, I mean, I guess this is like kind of a, maybe a similar question. Um, what do Christian women want to find in a Christian man and vice versa? So what does a Christian man want to find in a Christian woman? Yes. So I will tell you this. When I was dating, um, I, there would be guys that I date that were very spiritual because that was attractive to me, but they were no fun. And then I'd start to date a guy that was totally fun, but he had no spiritual depth. So... I really was looking for a guy that had both. And um, when I met my husband, he was crazy and fun. And then I was like, I don't know about this guy. But then I, I like got to know him, and he was very spiritual. So that was it for me. Yeah. I think for me... Um I can be a little bit of a spitfire and like very confident. And I wanted someone that would match that. I, I've met a lot of Christian men that... Um, were just very kind and sweet to me, and I wanted someone confident in their faith, and I wanted someone confident in their calling that knew where they were going and had drive. And being close to the Lord is great, but drive is also good um, and really great. So wow. that was important to me. So they need a job? Is that what you're saying? I mean, eventually, yes. Eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, you want to chime in? I mean, what, do you, what were you looking for in a Christian woman when you found your wife? Yeah, I think... Uh, kind of like what Jenny said, just a good balance of spiritual and practical. Like I wanted someone that could talk about the Bible, but also someone that could talk about basketball or current events or something like that. If you're on either end of the spectrum, you know, too much about current events and, or too much, I'm going to say this lovingly, but too much about the Bible and Jesus is just like, hey, come on, let's, let's, let's talk about some practical things. So yeah. So a good balance of, of Jesus and practical. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I was going to say he hit it on the head. I think you did exactly great. What I, was. Um, I like this question a lot because this, you guys are going to laugh at this one because it seems a little bit silly, but I think it's actually a great question. How should I go about asking a girl out? How should a guy go about asking a girl out? And that seems like, come on, grow up, but it's really, it is grow up. It, it is grow up. I think it's actually a difficult question. How should, how should I go about asking a girl out? You guys help, help the fellas out. What do you think? You know, you just got to do it. You got to, if you're on the fence of going, hey, mate, should I ask her out? Should I, what should I say? Just go for it. Say, hey, you want to go on a date with me? I am a product of the millennial generation. Me and Courtney texted for a long time and asked her on a date. But we were also an hour and a half away from each other before we went on a date. But I, you know, I just went for it and I asked, hey, she's like, hey, do you want to go on a date with me? So that's what I did. Uh, and it worked. There you go. Oh, I can't say what I wanted to say. You yeah. said I couldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> There's long lines of just do it. But, um, I, you know, seriously, guys, I, I mean, if you're interested in her, you know, ask her out. You, you never know unless you ask. Um, 
obviously, if you know some of her girlfriends, see if she's interested in you. You know, I mean, you could go that route if you want, if you're chicken. Um, or, if you're, or if you're an actual man, you can go up to her and say, like, hey. Um, and I think along with that, don't text. Even if it's just a formality, if you know she's going to say yes, make the phone call. You know, meet her here. Ask her face-to-face. Um, do that. I think that will go a long way. So. Yeah, I would just say, fellas, like, the, the best thing you can do is, is straight up tell her, hey, I would like to take you on a date. Ladies, would you appreciate that if, if a guy said that? Hey, I would like, because what that removes the, is this a date? Is he paying? Are we just friends? Does he just want to hang out? Um, so just straight up ask the question, I would like to take you out on a date. Would you go with me? And then let me also just say this. Some of the problem, ladies, is your fault because you make, you make one date seem like, like he wants to marry you. And so the problem is the expectations. The guy's afraid to ask you on a date because he's afraid that you're going to expect some big commitment. And he's like, no, I just want to get to know you and figure out if this is something we should get into. So just because he asked you on a date doesn't mean he wants to marry you. Cool? So there you go. Okay, a little bit more um, serious. Is it okay, quote, unquote, okay to date a non-Christian? Is it okay to date? <laughs> hey, you guys can't answer that. They're answering it. Um, is it okay to date a non-Christian? What do you think? I mean, I think, I think you all know the answer, but I, I think it, a better question is why would you want to? Um, you know, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, why, why would you want to? So I'll leave it there. Yeah, drop the mic. I, <laughs> why would you want to? Yeah, your two, like, systems of living and how you think about the world and how someone else, they're just complete opposites. And, so. and I don't say that in a mean way. I mean, obviously, God has called us to, to reach other people for Jesus. But I would say, too, but the other side of that is don't date to evangelize. That never ends well for anyone. Um, so, yeah, I would say those two things. Love it. I, I was just going to add... I'll tell you, I've been, um, I've talked with women on the other end of that, that, you know, later on in life, they've been married, they have kids, and it's extremely difficult. Their husband doesn't follow the Lord and doesn't really support their relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it just affects all areas of their relationship, all areas of your life. So, um, you know, it's an important thing that that should be the most important thing to you. And so that's something you want to share with the person that you're, you're going to marry. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right. How do you know uh, when you're ready to date? How do you know? I guess when you turn 21 or something. I don't know. <laughs> do when you... mom says you can't date. <laughs> that's when... yeah. You're ready, son. Yeah, yeah. Or dad. How do you know when you're ready? Uh, for me, it was not really am I ready, God? Is it, God, am I, do I have enough contentment with where I am with you? Um, I think that's big. I think we focus so much on, am I ready? Am I ready? It's, it's God saying, hey, are you content in my relationship, your relationship with me so you can chase down something more? Because we have to, we have to find our individual relationship with Christ before we can handle a uh, human-on-human uh, relationship. Great. That's good. That's I'm good, good with that. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, I love it. How do I, this is a big one, how do I not become discouraged in my singleness? So many people, I mean, are single and while you may be looking for someone, you're in that season of waiting or looking or whatever, how do you not become discouraged? So um, I got married fairly young. I was 23, 22. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you what, that I, even before getting married, I longed to have a companion. 
and I remember feeling lonely and I could relate to being discouraged and in, in not having somebody. And um, I remember one day it, I came to that realization and I would tell you that I, I probably had thoughts beforehand of, man, I wish I, I was dating, I wish I had somebody, but I wouldn't even acknowledge it because I didn't want to be that girl. I didn't want to be needy or anything, so I didn't even allow myself to go there. But finally, one day in prayer, I just kind of realized, you know what? This is a strong, real desire of mine, and why aren't I talking about it with God? And so I just began to pray about it. And so it wasn't like <laughs> I walked around some needy, desperate kind of girl. Nobody really even knew about it, but I just began to talk to God about it because it really was a strong desire of mine. And it's honestly, my relationship with my husband was rooted in prayer, even to the point, you guys, so he, he was going on a date with another girl and Ooh, I heard about <laughs> it and um, I thought, bummer, because I'd been praying for him. And, um, and then he, so the next morning I said, uh, God, if you want me to stop praying for this guy, then you're, if, if you don't let something happen today, I'm going to stop praying for this guy because it's kind of weird if I'm praying for him and he's dating another girl. And um, so that day he came up to me and he said, you know what? Things didn't work out with this other girl. Would you come out? He had something, some event going on and he's like, I need a friend to help me out. And I'm like, I guess I'll see if I have it open. But uh, it was seriously <laughs> like, it was because of my prayers. So I would say that if you are lonely and you're wanting to date if there's if you have a desire to have a companion in life pray about it and I I think flip side of that is enjoy your freedom and I I say that loving like I love my wife and I love my boys but there's just as you get older and you know this now being in college like your margin for life just shrinks you have you can do right now anything you want you can do any job you want you can go anywhere you want once you add a spouse to that now you've added someone else to the mix and that margin shrinks, that freedom is now you're involved with someone else and someone else is speaking into what you, you know, kind of can and can't do in the direction of your life. And then you have kids and now it's, I don't even know when my free time is anymore. And right now all you have is free time. So I would say, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, and enjoy your freedom. You can kind of do what you want when you want now. And that's, and that's a cool thing. That's not something to hang your head about. That's something to embrace and have fun with. Yeah, and freedom gives you a chance to, like, work on yourself. Freedom gives you a chance to uh, develop, like, you more so, so that when God brings you the right person, you are the right person that, uh, you know, should be in a relationship. So that's great, guys. Um, we know. <laughs> All right, I'm going to step it up a level. When should you start talking about past sexual mistakes, and how much should you share when you start talking about that? Like, at what point in your dating relationship or whatever should you start talking about mistakes you've made in the past? Well, I think the first thing is don't do it on the first date. That's <laughs> yes. probably not the best plan. Don't ask someone out and be like, and by the way, this is what happened. Um, I think... A really good way to approach this is to let the person, when you feel like there's a serious connection there, say like, hey, there are things in my past 
that um, I've made mistakes in it. And I would love to talk to you about that one day. Like I would love to, um, for us both to have that conversation. And I would like for you to pray about it. And I know that sounds a little spiritual, like that's spiritualizing it a lot. But for me, uh, when I had a conversation with my husband, Caleb, uh, we were, I, I finally, when I decided I was going to marry him, we, we knew that we were going to marry each other. We were at a really serious point in our relationship. And he took my phone in the middle of it, which this sounds kind of interesting, but hang with me. And he wrote on it, he said, um, you don't know this, but before you even started talking, I had been praying for this conversation. And like, I love you and nothing about your past could ever change that. Um, and no quote unquote baggage or mistakes or whatever you bring into this would ever, would ever change that or would ever phase that. And that doesn't happen from just telling someone something the first time you meet them. That happens from a very deep connection that you grow with someone. Yeah. And there's a lot of trust in that. Um, and honestly, you need to be with someone that has the spiritual maturity and the maturity to handle what you're going to say. Um, so you have to make sure you're at that appropriate point and that it's going to last a long time. I would say when you know you're going to marry someone. That's good. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, you know, let me just, let me say something. I, I think... I think that's a conversation to be had with someone that um, where, when there has been a level of trust established and when there's been a level of we know each other and like Emily said, like we are, I mean, we're really serious about pushing this forward. I just think you guys, you can have this perception of, you know, I want to be smart and upfront and just give them the chance to, you know, back out or whatever. And so I'm going to share it uh, really early. And honestly, when you share that stuff, it does, it creates an emotional attachment and an intimacy with someone that maybe that relationship is not like ready to have. Yeah. And so um, I really think that's something that should happen down the road a long ways. And then, um, and then that comes out. Hey, Austin, I have something to add to that yeah. too. I think what I didn't address in that question was how much should you share? And um, I think from my viewpoint, and this is my perspective, so take it or leave it, but I would never want to walk into my marriage and walk into my future with my husband and him not know everything that has happened. Because if I hide things and I keep them back, that's saying that I'm scared to tell him that because then he won't love me, which means that I have just created conditional love in my head. And that we say when we're married that that's a choice. We're choosing unconditional love. And so I, I think that it's really important that when you step into that, that you feel the trust and the bond that you can share the full truth so that you can experience that freedom. Sorry, I forgot that part. Great. Good answer. Um, all right, moving on. Kind of like a marriage question. Anybody married in the room? Hey, Sydney. All right. Great. So um, kind of a married question. But this is good for you guys. I mean, obviously, marriage is on your mind and maybe happening one day for you. How do, um, how do you keep your personal relationship with Christ when you're married? So um, it says, I know we're, we are now one. When you get married, you're one. So everything feels done together, yet we're supposed to also thrive individually with Christ. So how do, you, um, how do you keep your relationship with God when you're married? Yeah, I think one of the things I talked about margin and margin shrinks, like I could, I used to be an early morning person, or no, I still am a morning person, but um, when it was just my wife, I could get up in the morning, I could have quiet time, prayer time, I could have an hour, two hours, whatever it was. Um, now I have a three-year-old who gets up at 4.45 every single morning. Um, <sighs> Like, no joke, no matter what time I go to bed tonight, 4.45, he will be in my face, ready to play. 
Um, and so now my devotion time sometimes is me sitting in the chair with Blaze and the Monster Machines playing, and he's eating his cereal. And I've learned you just got to be flexible with it. Um, be intentional about it, but also you just got to be flexible with it. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, my wife actually goes into our master bedroom closet and shuts the door. That's her space to hide. Uh, the kids still find her, but it's at least she can hide for about 15 minutes. Um, I, th- I think the second thing I would say is um, I don't place spiritual expectations on my wife, and she doesn't place spiritual expectations on me. So I don't tell her, like, she has to pray every morning or read her Bible every day. I don't think that's healthy. Uh, like, we're both aware of how we're growing in God, but we're not, you know, placing those specific expectations on, on each other. Would you say that translates to dating? I, I think so. I think it's unhealthy to have an expectation of, well, the person, your boyfriend has to go to church four times, you know, you know, every single Sunday or read the Bible every day or pray every day. I just, you know, I think you can tell if they, if they love Jesus and they're walking in that. It may not be exactly how you want, but yeah. that's what I would say. Got it. Yeah, I would add to that too that we, um, my husband and I are very different. So, you know, there's, if you've ever heard of, how many of you guys have heard of spiritual pathways? Okay, so there's different, people experience God differently and, and really connect with God differently. And you have to be able to respect that. Now, we, um, I mean, we definitely share our, we share spiritual stories. We pray together. Um, and there's been times that we've done books and devotionals together. But primarily, I seek God and, I, and he seeks God. And then we come together and talk about it. But if there's, if you're like borrowing from, you know, the, whoever you're dating or married to spirituality, that's unhealthy. Just like a kid would with his parents, you know, like you can't, at some point when a child matures, they have to connect with God on their own. They don't borrow their parents' spirituality. So I think you just got to be mindful of that. But at the same time, again, like I said earlier, that's the most important part of me. That's you know, that's what drives me. This is, it's incredibly um, intimate and, and, and that's something I want to share with my husband and I want to know, you know, and so we often ask you, how are you doing? Or, well, you know, what's God been teaching you? And I, and my husband, so I'm an extrovert and I will, and I'm a verbal processor, so I like to talk and, um, and, you know, of course he's a, he's supportive and a good listener, but at, at times he's more private and so through our marriage, I've had to, we both had to learn that it's important that, that he shares some of those things with me because it, it helps me understand him better and really respect him more. So um, I think that you just got to have a balance with it. That's great. So good. Um, I love this question. So how do, back to kind of dating, how do we recenter our relationship around Christ if let's say previously it wasn't. So for however amount of time we weren't really doing things God's way, but now we want to, how do, like, how do we make that shift? Do we just say it's not possible, let's break up, or is there something we can do? I think first you have to take a deep breath and just know that 
God loves you no matter what choice you make. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. And in that, walking in God's favor is something different, and that's choosing to obey his word. And that is something that comes upon you when you obey the word of the Lord and you walk in his guidance. And so with that, I think that you're kind of in a boat where you're a little bit above your head, and like you're, you're sitting there and you're like, how do we recenter this? And you're very much in the middle of it. And so it's very hard to rationalize and to understand what a next step should be. So I think that the best thing to be would by finding another couple, and I would say a married couple that has a healthy Christian relationship, um, strong leaders in a church, I would say even saying that, um, and asking them, how do we do this, and help give us guidance in this? How would we center our relationship around Christ? How, what boundaries do we draw? And then having that almost as an accountability, because there's going to be a lot of unclear, like there's going to be a lot of gray areas, and so having someone to help you through those. That's so good. I think because you have a tendency to go, you'll have a tendency to go back. And so having that accountability is so good. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, if you don't have the, the ability to, to find a couple like that to walk with, um, you just have to, like, redefine and restructure your priorities. Because um, there's probably a lot of habits that you've made in the, in the past part of the relationship, and now you want to step into the new future. Uh, you have to restructure the priorities that you've already made. Uh, so one starts with your individual relationship with Christ. Number two is I got we got to set physical and spiritual boundaries and emotional boundaries together. Um, and then the, you know the priorities the priorities you know you guys can list those for yourselves after that. But make sure you put those in place where they need to go. And then uh, then but your center is Christ. So if you start there, you're going to end there as well. That's great. What are some examples of emotional boundaries? So we talk a lot about physical boundaries, and sometimes those are the easy things to set. To set. What are some examples of emotional boundaries? How do we not get too connected or intimate emotionally? <laughs> I think you had something for this, but I know that um, the words love and marriage are words that really need to be guarded in a relationship. And I think you said, like, even... Like, you don't understand love until you are married. It, or you said something similar along those lines of that's, that's when you would share that word. Um, when you say that to someone, and, and especially, especially for me, I, I've, I'm an emotional person. And um, when people have said that to me in the past of marriage and love, my, I, I've gotten my hopes up. I have dreamed of a life. I've built in my head what's going to happen. And when that falls, I just get crushed. Um, and I think the real, the realistic thing is not everyone you date, you're going to marry. And so not everyone you date, you should tell you love them and not everyone you date, you should tell you should marry them. And I also think for me, I never did devotions with a boyfriend and we were talking about this earlier, but, um, I never read a book with a boyfriend. I never, even when Caleb and I were engaged, we did not do devotions together. We did premarital counseling and we talked about our relationship with Christ and we prayed occasionally, but that was still hard ground because when you open up that that too, when you open yourself up to um, a spiritual relationship, then emotional boundaries and physical boundaries, I think, can crumble because that is the most inner part of your soul that you're sharing with someone. And you have to guard that really well. So um, love is a choice. It's not an emotion. And so when you start getting wrapped up emotionally, that you can go crazy. <laughs> so you, you just have to rein in the emotions. And I would say that, um, I'm sure some guys maybe are more like this, but it's pretty typical of a girl to start daydreaming. Like if she's into a guy, they start, you know, man, I wonder what it'd be like to date him. Or I'd wonder what it'd be like to marry him. And you start 
fantasizing about, man, being in a relationship with it, that's crossing emotional boundaries. So you just have to, you know, stay in the present. And, and I think emotions are from God. That's a healthy, good thing. But just keep them in line and don't, you know, go crazy. <laughs> I think last thing I'll say from a dude's perspective is, you know, guys, we're very cerebral. A lot of our conversations come from the head, not from the heart. And for, uh, for women, it's different. Most of their conversations start in the heart and, and go upward. Um, and so I just think, guys, just be really careful when it comes to emotional boundaries. The words love, the words marriage, the words future mean so much more to, to women than it does to us, just emotionally. So that's the one thing I would say is just be very cautious, very careful with those, with those words in your relationship. Yeah, just to that point, I mean, if, when you're a guy and you start talking early on about marriage, in your mind you're thinking, well, I got to start saving for a ring. You know, I got to, like, start thinking about where we're going to go, like where we're going to move and she going to, like, what are we going to do? That, in your mind you're thinking that. But when you say the words marriage, in her what Ryan's saying is, like, that sparks a whole different kind of thing. And not that it doesn't happen in you, but it's on a whole different level for her. So, um, yeah, that's so important. How long should you wait before kissing? Ooh. Never on the first date. Eh, maybe on the second, <laughs> if they're good looking enough. Just kidding. Um, by the third, I think, I, I think you're all right. I think you're in the clear. All right. We won't ask you specifically about you and Courtney, but... Um... Oh, it was first date. <laughs> okay. Just jumped right to it, huh? It was long distance, so oh, we had okay. talked for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so it had been... yeah, yeah. Everyone has a reason. Okay. Hey, we got married. It's all good. <laughs> Advice from Ryan. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? So um, I'll tell you, I know there was a lady who mentored me back when I was in high school, and she felt like God had told her not to kiss um, her fiancé until they were married. And so they had their first kiss when they were pronounced husband and wife. And uh, There you go. So everyone do that. You guys have a good night. Um. <laughs> Hence the difference between guys and women. But what I want to say about that is that she was being obedient to God. Yeah. That God put this on her heart, and she didn't want to. That wasn't like something that she would have chosen for herself. But she felt like God put that on her heart, so she was being obedient. So I would just say, you know, with stuff like this, you have to pray about it, and you have to obey God, you know. And, and God definitely, we don't all have the same... You know, there's things that are very clear in Scripture, what's a yes and what's a no, but there's some things that aren't addressed. And so those things you just have to, you know, be obedient to God as best as you know how. That's so good. First of all, that I think the lady, that's amazing that she obeyed God. What I think is overlooked is that the guy honored that. Yeah. Like, the guy honored that, and... That's so true because that wasn't something. But, <laughs> yeah. but that wasn't something that he necessarily heard from God. Yeah, but so she did. So you want to talk about, ladies? You set your boundary, and then if the guy doesn't honor it, then peace. You know, um, and guys, you better honor it. Yeah, and guys, you should. And I just think, um, yeah, let's move on. Okay, uh, when is when is the appropriate time? Um, in a relationship to, t to bring up the, you know, this is my physical boundary. This is, this is where I draw the line at. When is, 
You know, is that early on? Is that later on? What do you think? Anybody? All right, next question. Um, when is the appropriate time in a relationship to bring up the boundary, the physical boundary conversation? Like, hey, this is what I'm yes. comfortable okay, with or what yeah. I'm not comfortable with or whatever. Okay, so you don't want to be weird. <laughs> but at the same time, when you start getting physical, then you should be having that kind of conversation. You know, so maybe like if, if you're like Ryan kissing on the first date, maybe that's not the time. But, but also don't like have sex on the first date and then go back and go, okay, now let's set some boundaries. Like yeah. that's just not smart either. So, so when you say physical, you mean like when you start holding hands, when you start, you know, kiss by the third date, those times. Yeah, then it's time to start. Yeah, so just... Or until you're married, then you never have the conversation. <laughs> when it starts going that direction, point, then I would say it's time to have a conversation. Don't wait till you cross a line. Yeah. You know, set it up before that you hit, you know, any kind of temptation. I would also say if you draw that boundary before any lines would be crossed, then you don't have to, you are avoiding a mistake that you could possibly make. Because if someone's not here to honor your boundaries and honor what you're standing for and what you're putting forth, then they're not worth your time. And there is never no negotiation in boundaries. There is no negotiation in boundaries. These are my boundaries. These are set. And if someone can't honor that and someone can't adhere to that, then they are not the person you're supposed to marry. And just one last thought in all, in all seriousness is... Um, if you've crossed certain lines, uh, boundaries previously, and you're with someone who hasn't, it's much easier for you to cross that boundary again. And so just know that in boundaries, wherever you're at on the spectrum, however many lines you've quote unquote crossed, you're probably going to have to set the boundary way back here because it's going to be much easier for you to just leap across that, that line. Don't set the boundary really close set it way back here. Yep, it's great. I know, thank you. <laughs> um, Jeremy, how do I decipher physical, how do I decipher between physical attraction and lust? So we talked a few weeks or maybe two weeks ago about, man, physical attraction, that's normal for all of us and that's a good thing. How do I know the difference between that and uh, lust? Like when does it become sinful? Right, my question kind of back toward that is, um, are you, you know, are you attracted to an Instagram page? Or are you attracted to the person? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's totally different. And um, for guys, I think we can also daydream and we can infatuate and we can have fantasies. And uh, that's lust. If, if we're taking a person, you know, with a, a beautiful personality in a relationship with Christ and we're going and we're having the fantasies going beyond where marriage would take us, yeah. then that's lust. So that's, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's right. I think physical attraction is like, man, I'm physically attracted to her. I think she's beautiful. Or I think he's, I don't know what you guys call guys. I think he's beautiful. Is that a thing? I think he's hot. He's handsome. Um, I think that, that's one thing. But, but when you start fantasizing about, man, I wonder what she looks like with her clothes off. Or, or man, that's, that's when it uh, becomes a sin. Uh, when is a good time to move in together? When, it, when is it a good time? Hey, hey, we're answering the question. When is it a good time to move in together? Yeah, I, it's an interesting question because logically, like, let me set the Bible aside for a second. Logically, it, it seems like it makes sense, right? 
like the whole try before you buy. I mean, why? Again, I say that lovingly, but you know, shouldn't we figure out if we're compatible or not before we actually, you know, go through the wedding vows and, and live together? Um, and I think it's a very logical question. I think the best way I can answer is this, is God has set boundaries for, for you, for us in our, in our marriage and our dating relationship. And God is very specific that, you know, living together is set aside for marriage. And I, um, we were talking about it earlier, and it's just, do you want God to bless your relationship? Do you want God to bless your marriage? Do you want um, him to, again, fully be a part of what... Um, of your relationship. And so I just think part of it's just trusting God that what he has said is true. Even though logically, maybe it doesn't make sense to you, even though logically the world says, you know, for financial reasons, it makes sense that we would go ahead and just move in together. That's not what God's word is telling us. And so I think it's really a question back to you on, you know, do you want God's favor? Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to what the world is telling you is okay? Or are you going to listen to what God's word is telling us to go and, and do? And so that's how I would, I would answer that question. Can I get real for a second? Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I can get kicked off. I'm just kidding. Um, I think also I know I have a friend too. One of my best friends told me, she was like, I'm going to move in with my fiance, and we're doing it purely for financial reasons, and we are not going to sleep together. We're going to sleep in separate rooms until we get married. And I was like, insert name here, that's the most, that, that's not going to work. And she was like, well, I don't under, I mean, we're honoring God and, and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, how? First of all, living with someone who is not a sibling or a family relative, like living for me with a man is a very difficult transition. Um, I had sisters, so it's hard for me. And um, I was like, it's very difficult to live with someone and have all of that intimacy in there and then not be able to go into the physical intimacy. Like it's very difficult to separate those and compartmentalize it. And honestly, like when you're married and you're fighting and you're like having an argument, like at the end of that fight, I'm just being honest, like a lot of times you make up and you say like, I love you, whatever. And then that leads to sexual intimacy. And then you're having these fights where you're living with someone and you're like going to bed and you're angry and you're slamming your door for your separate room. And it's very unrealistic to think that you're going to be able to either have A, the self-control and then B, if you do have the self-control, you're not going to want to live with that person after a couple months. I'm going to be real with you. You're not going to want to. Like that laundry on the floor is really going to make you angry and you're not going to have vows in all honesty. I almost Caleb, do you leave laundry on the floor? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, um, yeah, let me jump in on this. I think you, you, we live in a world that is very, um, there's a lot of instant gratification. You know, you get what you want when you want it, pretty much. It's the reason why Amazon's a multi-billion dollar company, because you can order something, you get it in two days. What that does for us with instant gratification is when you don't get something instantly, then you get angry, right? So if you have to wait longer than five minutes for your Starbucks drink, you're just like, blah, blah, blah. And so there's, uh, there's this thing that's being built in our culture where we don't endure waiting, we don't endure hardship, and we're like training ourselves to at the moment of hardship or the moment of something we don't like, we jump ship. We're just like, ah, I'm not I'm done with this. That's kind of what's being built in our culture. However, like the entire library of scripture talks about like the importance of enduring hardship and perseverance and all of these things. And so that gets translated into marriage. And the way Jesus established marriage is like, 
you're, it's not going to be great. It's going to be hard. There's going to be days where you don't like each other. You're going to have fights. But in that, you are building, like, uh, you're enduring hardship. You're building a perseverance with one another. I just think that's a gift of marriage, and that's something that God grows in you through marriage. And so when you get into that kind of level of intimacy, whether it's sexual or not, like just that level of living together, you don't have that commitment that allows you to, uh, to endure hardship and to have perseverance. Does that make sense? Um, so, yeah, let's move on. So we've talked a lot about, like, how isolation is bad as a, as a community or how it's, it can be toxic for you when you isolate yourself as a couple a, away from community. However, we also know that, like, at some point you got to have one-on-one time, and there, that has to be built to get to know somebody. So how do you balance both let's spend time together one-on-one, let's get to know each other, we need that, but also we need to surround ourselves with people and be in community and that kind of thing? Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the best things for a relationship and to even just help you guys become more self-aware of your relationship are friends and family. So when you surround yourself with those type of people, they're going to they're gonna speak into your relationship. They're going to they're gonna tell you where you guys are going, you're wrong here, or maybe you have some awesome things going on here, and they're going to encourage you, and they're also going to help correct you a little bit. So you want to be around people because uh, they're just going to help you in that area. But also, when it comes to isolation, like you have to be one-on-one with your future significant other. Like, but are you behind closed doors? Are you going to be like in a public area or in like... Uh, an area where people are also going to be there. Because once you close that door and you become one-on-one, you start isolating yourself, so it becomes a habit, and then it can turn into falling in uh, and, and going too far and crossing those boundaries. That's good. So surround yourself. Solid. Um, should, uh, we've kind of already talked about that. Okay. Let me transition to maybe uh, some heavier things, tons of questions that kind of all lump together. But... Um, along the same lines of this, if I've already been uh, sexually impure or I haven't done things God's way, uh, will I ever be able to date someone or eventually marry someone that is right with God? Or another question that's kind of the same lines is, if I have a ton of baggage, um, will a godly man or a godly woman even still want to date me? Talking about the second question, I think... It's a really good question, um, and it's tough. I mean, we've all made mistakes, right? I think everyone in here has made mistakes. I've made mistakes. Um, but I think there's a difference between baggage and mistakes. Baggage is something you haven't dealt with. If you're carrying baggage into a relationship, that's not a good thing. You're carrying something that you've never dealt with, that you're leaning into someone else to maybe help you through. And I think that's where you begin to honestly start crossing emotional boundaries. You begin crossing physical boundaries because you're looking for someone to help you ease the pain of baggage that you have because you haven't dealt with it. But I walked into my marriage relationship full of mistakes. Yeah, I got mistakes, but I dealt with them. I had, you know, uh, godly men around me that helped me, you know, deal with it. And I was able to, you know, confess with them and have one-on-one guy conversations and, and mistakes then just became mistakes. They became in the past. And I became honestly a better person on the other end and, and healthy. And so that's, I, that's what I would love for you guys to hear. If, if you've got baggage, work on it. You don't have to be defined by it. 
You don't have to bring it into your relationships. Use the freedom that you have. Use the singleness that you have if you've got baggage to deal with it. Um, and and at the same, on the same side, mistakes are okay. You're going to be okay. Work through them. And, um, you know, I love the song you're talking about. You know, you know the song, So Will I. Just, man, the, what Jesus did on the cross is, is pretty incredible when you, when you really think about it and think about all the sins that he's covered, all the mistakes we've made that he, he has covered. Um, and so, man, if you don't hear anything tonight, please uh, hear that. So I'll stop preaching. I'm done. Preach it, brother. I think for me, when you ask both of those questions, both of those questions sound like they're rooted in shame. And um, our God is not a God of shame. And so I have a couple things. First of all, just because you've made past mistakes and someone is right with God doesn't mean that you aren't right with God. Like your past is your past. And I believe that your past shapes your future and that there are mistakes that you have made that God has brought, God can give you full victory and healing and redemption through. And I... I know when I walked into my relationship, I looked at Caleb and I was like, I have, I use the word baggage. I probably should use the word mistakes, but at that point it was baggage. Like I'm gonna be real. And I said, I have so much baggage. Like I have so many things that have happened in my past that are weighing me down. And my view of myself was not great. And he said, you know, I want to take that too. And, um, and that was probably not the best decision. We, I probably should have worked through some things first. Sorry about that. But I think also in that, um, you thinking that you're not going to find a godly man because you've made mistakes in your past is a lie. And I think that Satan comes to lie to us. And I think that the main way he lies to us is in our head and the way that we think about ourselves. And so my biggest thing that I would say is uh, no matter what you have done, what has been done to you and what you have chosen, that there is full redemption, full healing, and and more intimacy in, in the arms of God than you could ever ever, ever imagine. The pain that you feel is double, tripled, quadrupled on the other side and healing and redemption in the Lord's arms. So don't ever, ever look at yourself and say, I've made mistakes and I'm not right with God. And I can't, I can't live through that because most of the people you see on the stage around you are people that have come from mistakes. And sorry, I'm preaching too. So I'm going to stop too. Preach it, y'all. Anybody else? I mean, I'm just adding to it that it, we serve a redeemer and that's what God does. He takes our mistakes and he redeems them and makes something beautiful come from it. And so in our weakness, he is strong. And so, yeah, if, if you're feeling like you have baggage, I would talk to one of the leaders around here, work through it. You don't have to have baggage. That's great. So thankful for each of you. I would, um, I'm going to give you guys a chance to thank them, but I'd love it if, if Jenny, would you pray? Can, I'd, love, I'd love for you to pray over the students here because I know that this is true for each of you. Like you're, you know, we just had this quick Q&A and laughing and fun, but the reality is like this stuff is deep and it's hard and we understand that. And that's part of why we've spent four weeks on this stuff because we understand the complexities behind it. And um, so, Jenny, I'd love for you just to pray over each of them and pray that uh, as they seek this out, as they seek out, you know, God's, what's, what's God's plan for me with relationships and all that, that they would find him. Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you so much for these um, people that are in this room tonight. 
Lord, thank you that they're coming to church to seek you and they're wanting to um, know your opinion on relationships. So God, I pray that the words that we have spoken, this whole series, the, the truth that, that Austin has shared, God, that you would give each person something to take away. Lord, just as you spoke to my friend years ago and gave her direction, God, I pray that you would give each person in here direction that is there asking you about um, relationships and they're, they're longing to have a companion in life. God, would you prepare them for that? And then, Father, in your time, would you bring somebody alongside of them that is going to help them know you better and to serve you better and to be more like you? Would you use um, whoever they end up with to refine them? And, uh, God, I pray that, um, that you would also protect us, that we know that we're fallen and um, that, that we tend to, to use people as substitutes for you. So, um, God, would you protect us from that? Would you help us to never substitute anything, no person, no thing, for our relationship with you? And then also, I, I just pray for protection over their purity. It is a real struggle. It, it really is. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to, to flee temptation and to um, make holy right choices and God as we take one step in your direction would you fuel that would you um, build something inside of us that gives us more life to take even another step and then father for those of us in this room that are um, feeling shame and that and regret God would you um, remind us that you're a redeemer and would you help us um, to experience your grace, even a double portion, is we're feeling this shame and guilt that, that instead, Lord, you would replace it with your redemption. So we are grateful that we have hope, that we um, are not lost and alone in all of this, that we can come to you and we can talk to you and you do give us direction. And um, so we, we thank you, Jesus, for all of that. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Hey, can we thank the four of them for giving up their time? And... Um, I, I just am so grateful to have these conversations. If you've missed a week or whatever, uh, would love for you to check the podcast out and go listen, um, listen to those weeks and praying that it'll be helpful to you. We usually end our services with a song, but I want to end a little bit different um, tonight because we are super excited about something that we get to be a part of as a ministry. I don't know if you know this, but um, for the past few years at least, we've taken two mission trips every year. Um, it's been two mission trips in the summer for the past few years, but this year has been a little bit different. We decided to do one over spring break and then one in the summer. And so this weekend on Saturday, we're sending a group of, is it like 21, 20? 20 of uh, your peers right here in the room, 20 students to Guatemala. And um, they're going on, yeah, cool. And so uh, they're going on a medical mission trip. And we, we did a similar trip last year that I was able to go on to bring uh, medical relief to some people in Guatemala that, Honestly, without this ministry that already exists there that we're just partnering with, many of them would go years without basic health care. 
And so uh, we're just super passionate about this, and I'm just so excited. I think last year we took like 12, and we came back, and we're just so amazed at what God did, that trying to get as many people to go. And so we're sending 20 um, on Saturday. And so I'm super pumped about it. And so I would love just an opportunity. I mean, these are our, our peers. And so I would love an opportunity to pray over them as they go out. I mean, Guatemala is not like super far, but there's a lot of fear that comes with it. For many of them, it's their first mission trip. Um, it's international just in general. That brings a lot of just uncertainty. And so I'd love a chance to just pray over them. So if you're going on that trip, I don't know if all of you are here, but if you're going on that trip, can you come to the front? And... Um, I think we can clap for them and just say. Just uh, proud of each of you for your bold faith and um, taking this step. I love Mr. Wayne Wasmus is the, uh, the trip leader. He's a legend, so he's going to lead them well. But... Um, Man, you know, more than, honestly, I'm praying for each of you that this would be a life-changing trip for you, but also just even further than that, that the impact you would have would be greater than you even know. I mean, you're going to go and plant seeds and have conversations and help people, you know, with their health and all that kind of stuff, but it's going to be bigger than that, and I'm praying for supernatural things. So, um, yeah, let me just, can I pray? Nah, you know what? You guys get in a circle. I'm like thinking about time, and that's just so stupid. You guys get in a circle, and then I want a f- I want you guys to come and gather around them, especially if you're in the front here, and just lay a hand on them. If you can get to somebody, if you can't, then just get to the person in front of you. If you know somebody coming on the trip, it's a good time for you to come up. And... Um, Yeah. So let me, um, let me lead us in prayer. And as I pray, just if you want to start praying your own prayer, whisper, you can just pray out loud, whatever you want to do. But just pray uh, for each of these young people. So, Father, I just ask, I'm reminded of uh, the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And that means in our community, that means across the world. And so I'm thankful for each one of these young people that would step out and say, I'm going to raise support, I'm going to make a hard decision to sacrifice spring break, to sacrifice job, whatever it is, to go and follow the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, and to care for the needy, and to take care of the poor. God, you're sending these people out. And so, Father, I ask, number one, that, um, Lord, that you would give them favor in what they're going to do. And, God, that they would not just touch the physical bodies of people and care for those, but they would care for the spiritual aspect of people. God, I pray that you would bring salvations because of these people that are going. Lord, I pray that you would bring emotional healing and all types of healing through uh, your servants going on this trip. And God, I pray not only for them, but I pray for those who are going, God, that you would touch the lives of each person. For Maybe it's their fourth mission trip, or it's their first mission trip, or if it's like Wayne, it's like his hundredth mission trip. God, I pray that you would spark something in their heart, that this would be almost like a personal revival in them, that you would speak to them in ways that they're not even prepared to ask for. And then God, that you would just give them a fresh revelation of yourself. They may, may they experience your nearness. God, I pray against any attack of the enemy to come in between things 
things between members on the team to cause drama or whatever, God, we just rebuke that. And we pray that just a heavy awareness of your spirit on their team would be present. And God, would you just use them? Would you do mighty things through them? Lord, we look forward to the day that they come back and share stories of all the things that you did because they obeyed you to go and do this. And Lord, we thank you once again for them and how you're going to use them. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you.